the article came out of the idea that I know a lot of people who do use machines and I know a lot of people who use machines. It made me think, let's get that message out there because I think it's something that probably needs to be addressed. That's Chris Thoreau, a Sprouts grower who recently joined me on the phone to tell me why he thinks using a used washing machine to spin your greens dry is, well, it's gross. This is the Ruminant Podcast. I'm Jordan Marr. TheRuminant.ca is a website dedicated to sharing good ideas for farmers and gardeners. You can find all sorts of good content there. Some essays I've written and book reviews and photo-based posts about other farmers' ideas for your farm, as well as this podcast. I'm on Twitter at RuminantBlog. You can email me at editor at TheRuminant.ca. And I'd love to hear your ideas for other farmers and gardeners to record them for this podcast. More on that in just a minute. All right. Let's go. Hi, folks. This is an episode I've been looking forward to releasing. For a while now, I've been encouraging listeners to submit their ideas that they think that other farmers and gardeners would like to hear about. And after a number of episodes in which you've heard me cajole you all about making submissions, I've started to receive a few. So that's really exciting for me, and I hope it'll be good for you, too. This episode, I've got a couple such ideas, as well as one of my own that I'm going to share. So I won't waste too much time, although I do want to say that I would love to receive your submissions, and the way you can do it is as follows. You can email me, editor at theruminant.ca, and let me know about your idea and a good way to communicate with you. I I can call you or Skype with you, and we, we can make a recording of you sharing your idea. You can text me, 250-767-6636, and let me know that you have an idea to share, and I can call you back, and we can, again, do a short recording. Or you can simply make a recording at a voicemail I have set up at my Skype number. So if you call 310-734-8426, you'll get a voicemail, and you can just share your idea. If at this point you're not sure what kind of ideas I'm looking for, well... Hopefully this episode will will give you uh, a sense of that. So I won't say too much more. I'll I'll get started with uh, Chris Thoreau, who technically didn't approach me with a submission. I read an article that he wrote for the Canadian Organic Grower magazine that was uh, really interesting, particularly because the topic that Chris was writing about, people who use used washing machines as a spinner to spin their uh, salad greens dry, well, I'm one of those people, so I found his argument really compelling, as we'll uh, we'll get into in our chat. So here's here's Chris Thoreau of FoodPeddlers.ca. So Chris Thoreau, you recently wrote a great article for the Canadian Organic Grower magazine, TCOG magazine, in which you argued that using a used washer on the spin cycle to spin your greens dry is is gross. Using a used washer is gross. Do I have that right? Yes, that that would be a good summary, I think, yeah. <laughs> it's a great article. People need to check it out. But uh, can you just give us the background? You you went to go and pick So a lot of people, when they want to spin their, their salad greens and other types of greens, microgreens, dry, have figured out that a great way to do that is to use the spin cycle of a washing machine. And so you went to pick up a used washing machine and i'll let you take uh take over the story yeah well like like every farmer i i tend to work on a budget and i'm looking for a good deal and obviously buying second hand is a great way to save some money 
So I had gone into our local, you know, appliance recycling shop here in Vancouver and told the guy what I was after. And, you know, I wanted a washing machine and this is what I want to do with it. And he kind of paused and looked at me, you know, as if I was almost joking. He said, well, you're not going to put food in a washing machine, are you? I said, well, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'll get in there and I'll, I'll clean out the drum and, and clean up behind it and stuff and sanitize it. He's like, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, do you have any idea what people put into their washing machine? And he just gives me like a little 30-second rant, and it just clicked. It's like, yeah. And I started thinking of some of the stuff I put in my washing machine. And so it just kind of dawned on me. Like, it just became so obvious. And and uh, the article came out of the idea that I know a lot of people who do use machines, and I know a lot of people who use machines. So it just it made me think, let's get that message out there, because I think it's something that probably needs to be addressed. And uh, it worked on me, man. It's uh, it's in my budget this year. I'm going to be buying a new washer. I'm actually very excited now that I've wrapped my head around that. I've noticed that I realized that, uh, you know, with by buying a new one, I can buy one. Like the one I acquired originally, Chris, had a, one of those central kind of big, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, but like this, this the, big uh, The post. agitator. The agitator was, was in there. But you can buy ones with no agitator. That's just this massive drum that's perfect for spinning green. So... I'm going to spend whatever I'm going to spend seven, eight, nine hundred bucks probably, and get a really good, a really good tool and one that didn't have um, people washing their kids' reusable diapers in it at some point. Yeah, exactly. Well, what we used is a we found one with a stainless steel drum, no agitator, and it's an apartment-sized machine, so it's relatively small. So I can pick it up and move it quite easily, and and within that we can spin, you know, about six pounds of microgreens. So a decent amount, and we paid three hundred dollars for it uh, with tax included. So going a little smaller um, saved us a lot of money. Right. Um, well, so then obviously there's some options out there. Uh, so was it hard to find one with a stainless steel drum? There, there were a lot of different ones out there. So a lot of them do have a uh, like a plastic drum, right? A lot of stuff being plastic. So there were some stainless steel options. Uh, so I, I did have to choose my model carefully, uh, but there were there were some uh, there were, were were a number of good ones with stainless steel. The other thing that I really took into consideration is a lot of washing machines, like a lot of equipment and clothing these days, is treated with like antibacterial colloidal silver or or micro. Um, I can't remember the term right now, but these basically these micro elements that are antibacterial and that was another thing that started to weigh on me was like well do i want this you know around food i have no idea if this stuff is approved for food use and so i had to be sure to find one that was just a stainless steel drum and didn't have any fancy chemicals or antibacterial you know agents on it so that would be another thing i would keep in mind when looking for a for a machine right on well if people want any more details they can they can check out your article I'd like to say it's in the current issue, though it's taken me so long to connect with you that I don't. It may have been. It was. The, it was the winter issue, I believe, of uh, of of TCOG, So they can they can check that out. And uh, it is actually now online. So the the online version features the article right on the cover there. So it should be easy to find. Okay. Well, I'll make sure there's a link to that from the ruminant.ca. Uh, Chris, you have graciously come on to talk about this about this. Do you want to give a plug for anything? Your your company or your website? Anything like that? Uh, well, we're the food peddlers. We're the foodpeddlers.ca. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the plug is for just continually uh, improving what we do as small-scale farmers. 
and uh, you know we're growing food for the public, and I think this is just as, uh, one way we remain really accountable. And you know, it feels good to buy new equipment sometimes. So <laughs> it, it, I, I do encourage it when it's appropriate. Yeah, it, no, I I completely agree. And uh, thanks for your contribution, Chris. Yeah, my my pleasure. So I think Chris makes a pretty good argument, and that's coming from a guy who spent. $40 on a used washer and and I've been using that washer for the last couple seasons to spin my greens. And I have to admit, I was I had and I have to admit, you know, at times I I I wondered about whether this was really a good way to go given that that it was a used machine, but I was mainly just I stuffed those feelings down. I kind of, you know, was in denial about it. Chris has inspired me to to rethink that and so in my budget this year i've got uh i've got some money set aside for for a new washing machine with a brand new spinner in it so uh before the harvest season gets going i'm gonna make a purchase and i think i'll feel a lot better about it and i really think that there's uh some the newer machines have some better options so uh i'm really looking forward to it if you want to check out the article I will put a link to the blog post going along with this episode at theruminant.ca, but you can also find it by Googling Chris Thoreau and TCOG magazine or the Canadian Organic Grower magazine. Chris has also shared a video of his machine in action, and I'll be putting that up on the blog as well if you want to check that out. So next up... I recently received an email from a listener named Scott who wanted to share some information about a really cool service that exists, at least for Canadians, that I think a lot of Canadian farmers don't realize exists. I knew it exists, but I had never actually used it. And I'll probably just let Scott take it from here, but I do really quickly want to say that uh, he's going to be talking about a service offered by Canadian Organic Growers, which is a really great nonprofit that produces the magazine that Chris Thoreau wrote in about the uh, the used versus new washer. It's also an organization whose board I sit on, so I had nothing to do with uh, Scott writing to talk about the organization. It just kind of happened out of the blue, so... So here's Scott to share his idea for, for the rest of you. So I guess just kind of the tip that I was uh, sending in is that uh, the uh, Canadian Organic uh, Growers Association has a uh, free library with, I don't know, I think 1,500 titles on agriculture-specific stuff. Uh, and it is uh, free shipping anywhere in Canada, both uh, send and return, and it doesn't cost you anything to... Uh, join the library, and you don't have to be a member of COG. So you just send them a uh, email and tell them what books you want, and they'll send it to you. And then when you're done, you ship them back in the same envelope. And so it's a good, uh, good free resource that's out there. So Scott, have you been using the library like at all? Yeah, so I have been. Um, I've been using it uh, maybe for about a year now, and sometimes I will just get it to. Um, uh, check out books that I'm interested in, and then if I think that I want to like add it to my collection or some some other key text um, that I think will be good, then I'll I'll go ahead and buy it. But it's nice, like um, like for example, I have the uh, Richard Wiswell uh, Wiswell's the uh, uh, Market uh, Business Handbook, and had that out for a couple of months, and then I ended up buying it later. But uh, it was handy to have as a resource. Um, so yeah. 
Well, that's really, yeah, it's cool. It's funny. It's really funny because um, I've known about the library for a long time and never tried it. And it does strike me as a great way to either trial a book before you buy, or there's just, there's a, there's a certain category of farming book where you just kind of need to read it like one time and then you really don't need it again. And so that's another, I guess, another great use of that service. Yeah. And I think they also have like a bunch of back issues of uh, Acres USA as well that you can access. Um, and, and they're really super relaxed there too. So like there's a couple of times that I've needed books for a couple of months and I just kind of emailed them and said, Hey, like I'm going to be, it's going to take me a little longer. And they're like, yep, yeah, sure. No problem. Thanks for letting us know. And then I just kind of mail it back when I needed to. Cool. And, um, what kind what's the turnaround time? Like, like you make a request, how long does it take the book to show up? Uh, probably like a week. Okay. And, uh, yeah. and then, and then do they not send you another one until you've sent the current one back? Uh, so I've, I like, so like when I've done orders, like I've, I've, I've ne- I don't think I've ever uh, ordered books con- concurrently, but I've ordered like four or five books at a time and they send it all at once and then I'd send them all back at once. Right, right. That's really, oh, that's really cool. I'm so glad you phoned yeah. in and I should say in full disclosure that I'm on the board of COG, but that has nothing to do with this little segment. You contacted me out of the blue with the idea and I was so glad you reminded me and, and actually, like I said, I had never used it. So it's interesting to talk to someone who's making use of the service. Yeah, like I had known about it for a long time too and then I'm like, oh, maybe I should just check it out because I didn't realize that it was free, free shipping um, all across Canada both ways. I thought that, oh, maybe they'd ship it out to me and I'd have to pay postage back or something like that. But then they, they send you a return address that you just tape back on the envelope that they give you and you give it back to them. So people can find out more by Googling Canadian Organic Growers, COG, and that'll uh, you can find their, their website and there's, there's that service as well as some other um, great resources on that site. Uh, Scott Humphreys, thanks a lot. Can can you can you tell uh, tell us while you're on the phone a little bit about your farm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the the name of the farm is uh, Ben Plow Farm. We have been kind of working the land up for the past couple of years, but this is our first uh, full fledged uh, growing season in eastern Ontario. We did do uh, some urban uh, farming in Toronto uh, through Fresh City Farms, but this is kind of our first year uh in in the east uh east, in eastern ontario does it feel really weird moving from the the small plot urban context to the one you're in now uh yeah it's been it's been it's it's kind of a totally different headspace um because um my dad it's we're we're moving on to my dad's land which is 100 acres um and we've got kind of got one acre set, set aside and we're used to dealing with like a couple thousand square feet as opposed to uh 43,000 square feet. So it's just a different kind of idea in terms of planning the acreage. And, you know, um, the type of planting that we're doing this year, we're actually not doing uh, that much succession planting. So that's kind of a different thing. So it'll be interesting to manage that much space. And of course, there's obviously more uh, weeding and more field work to do. Well, Scott, thanks again for sharing the idea. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing with everyone. So it was was good of you to, to write. Great. Well, thank you very much, Jordan. All right. So to close up the episode, I thought I'd share an idea with you since I'm always trying to convince you to send your ideas uh, into me. And so I was thinking about that and I realized that I've come up with a cool system for succession planting for some of my crops here in my market garden. So I'm going to talk about that. 
Since year one of our farm, Vanessa and I have used soil blocks on the farm for, in the nursery. So many of you will be familiar with those. Unlike using traditional uh, garden trays, 10 by 20 trays with uh, different sizes of plugs in them, we use these um, these special presses you can buy. You can get them through Johnny's, you can get them through pottingblocks.com and a number of other places that you use to create densely packed freestanding blocks of soil with a high moisture content and you plant straight into them they're freestanding and and then the plant grows right in them and then they have a few purported benefits they they air prune so you don't get uh, root 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 wrap or root binding like you do uh, often in in traditional seed trays but probably the coolest benefit is that you can just take these straight out of whatever tray they're in uh, and pop them right into the soil without disturbing the roots. So they tend to adapt really quickly to the soil when you put them in. So I feel like I'm going to be talking mainly to people who are aware of these and who have rejected them out of hand or have tried them and just not had great results. And we certainly took a long time to figure out how to use soil blocks really effectively. There's a bit of a learning curve to it for sure. But even if you don't want to use soil blocks or soil blocking equipment as your as your main way of producing seedlings, here's something I think you, you should try. Get yourself one of the blockers that presses about 20 blocks at a, at a time, and there's different sizes, but anyway, your, your blocks are going to be approximately uh, one and three quarter inches cubed or two inches cubed, somewhere in there. You can get blockers that'll, that'll make blocks that big, and they'll press out 20 at a time. Build your trays so that they can hold, I don't know, three presses of that blockers which means you can hold 60 blocks in one tray and here's what you can do with them every single week starting about now all the way through september i will plant the same set of trays over and over and over again each week so right now for me what that looks like is i do two trays of scallions and into each block i put about six to eight scallion seeds so two trays means for me that's 60 per tray so i have 120 uh, blocks that have each have six to eight scallion seeds in them each block once it gets transplanted out uh, turns into essentially a scallion bunch that when it's ready to harvest I just yank it straight out of the ground and it's a bunch all ready to go I do the same for cilantro cilantro usually gets between two and four seeds per block and that results in a bunch of cilantro I do it for dill same thing I do it for bok choy. If it's small bok choy, I might put uh, two or three bok choy in a block. Otherwise, I'll just, if it's a larger bok choy, I'll do uh, one seed to a block. I do it for baby fennel. Okay, so in that case, I'll put two or three seeds a block and, and uh, I'll plant that out and end up with three, two to three mini fennel heads. And, and one reason I do that is in my very hot climate, I have a hard time getting fennel to, uh, to bulb out really large. So I end up selling it as baby fennel, which um, my chef customers love anyway. You get the idea. And you might be thinking, well, I could do the same thing in my 10 by 20 trays with different plug sizes. And it's true. But I, I think that for these succession plantings, there's a good argument to be made for um, these plantings being especially... Um, especially benefiting from the fact that you're not disturbing the root mass as you as you transplant them so you get really quick turnaround and uh, they lend themselves well to these um, grouping of seeds you know putting six or eight scallion seeds in or, or two to four cilantro seeds as for how to make a good soil blocking mix if you're brand new to it it's pretty simple i used to uh, get kind of complicated with the with recipes that i found online but i've found uh 
on the advice from other growers that it you can keep it really simple. Currently, I'm using Sunshine Organic potting mix. They have different types of mix. I I've really I'm really partial to uh, mix number five, and I put about half of that Sunshine mix and uh, up to half of a of a really high quality compost that we produce on the farm from horse manure. And uh, I find that, that that makes a perfectly fine um, mud. Uh, the learning curve, part of the learning curve in, involves getting the moisture right, and you generally need more, more, more moisture than you think. It's a real wet mud that you're working with when you're pressing. But if you can get the system down, um, it's just a great, efficient way to, to keep just weekly succession plantings going for a, for a few crops that, uh, when you add it up, can, can add a substantial amount to your, to your weekly income. So I'll try and include some photos in the post that goes along with this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode comprised of short ideas from from various farmers, and I hope you'll consider submitting your own. Just think of something you're doing in your farm or garden that that is going well for you, that is producing income or that is is producing good stewardship or whatever, and and think about whether maybe a lot of farmers don't, don't, don't know about that. If you have an idea like that, I would love to phone you and talk about it or have you record it. So one more time, you can text me 250-767-6636 and I'll, I can phone you back and we can record a short conversation. You can email me editor at the ruminant.ca and I can call you in that case as well. Or you can leave a voicemail at my Skype number 310-734-8426. So thanks a lot, folks. I'll be back at you next week with a regular long-form interview, and I've got a few recorded right now, including one with uh, Wisconsin farmer Randy Cutler, all about good strategies for fencing in livestock, as well as a really cool conversation with a uh, permaculturalist in Australia called Colin Sice, and he talks all about a very innovative no-till cropping system that he uses on his very large ranch there. So you have a lot to look forward to. And this week, I'm just going to let the outro music live on its own, since some of you have been asking about who the singer is and where you can listen to it. This is my wife, Vanessa Samore. She wrote this song. Right now, you can't find this song anywhere else online, although you can find some other songs Vanessa has written if you Google Vanessa Samore, S-A-M-U-R, and MySpace. Have a good week, everybody. (laughs) Today I learned I don't anything to live on except for a little old you i've met a whole army of weasels a legion of leeches trying to give me the screw but if we bury ourselves in the woods in the country wear no clothes so we never have laundry we'll owe nothing to this world of thieves Live life like it was meant to be Ah, don't fret, honey, I've got a plan To make our final escape All we'll need is each other A hundred dollars And maybe a roll of duct tape And we'll run right outside of the city's reaches We'll live off chestnut spring water and peaches We'll owe nothing to this world of thieves And live life like it was meant to be
Would we live in a place that don't want us? A place that is trying to bleed us dry. We could be happy with life in the country. With salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands. I've been doing a lot of thinking, some real soul searching, and here's my final resolve. I don't need a big old house or some fancy car to keep my love going strong. So we'll run right out into the wilds and graces. We'll keep close quarters with gentle faces And live next door to the birds and the bees And live life like it was meant to be